Good morning. Good to see you all. Thank you, Judith and uh, Jenna and William. Thank you so much for uh, highlighting that verse and leading us around the table. Um, uh, good to see you this morning. Good to worship together. Um, I feel like I've, I've made the mistake of like having so much stuff. We're going to talk about good news for the nations this morning. And um, I realized even this morning, there was some stuff that I wanted to say. There was some stuff that I didn't want to leave out. But I still want to, I still want to make sure that everybody stays with me, so I don't want to be too long. Um, because that's like a roundabout way of saying settle down. But it's not really. Um, I suppose I, I do want to share maybe three or four big ideas. We'll never, we'll never this morning get through, get into the depth of it all. Um, but hopefully we'll, we'll share enough. Hopefully we'll present enough that uh, we'll keep the conversation going as we, as we love to do, as I, um, really value. Um, I've really appreciated our midweeks. Really, really enjoyed them. I, uh. I have uh, never got chatting to Judith yet, but I, I, we challenge everybody that would believe that God wanted to speak to, in dreams. That's the, it's just the, the most dominant way that He spoke seems to be through the Old and the New Testament, and um, and so we believe that He still wants to speak to us today. Uh, I confessed in Wednesday that that is something that I've never really asked, and so I uh, stuck a notebook on the. Stuck a notebook on my bedside table and said, Lord, I'm, I'm up for it if you want to speak to me in dreams. I'm not sure that he did, but this morning I woke up and I had it. I'm not, I'm not sure it because I think it's probably just nonsense, but just the idea that I think that there's the intentionality. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Um, but the intentionality, and I would just I'm let, mention it, people that were in the room and on Zoom, uh, heard some stories and I think it stirred something among us and so everybody else I would encourage you to chat to somebody who was part of our midweek and uh and stick a notebook beside your bed tonight and ask the Lord to speak to you in a dream just just in case he does um but I was leaving I I always I would always walk I always walk to and from our midweeks because uh, David is doing a fit for 40. Me and David turned 40 in August and uh, my meager attempt is trying to walk here. The five or ten minutes that it takes to walk here, that's my meager attempt at joining David on uh, fit to 40. Anyway, I was leaving I was leaving here on Wednesday night and as I was walking home, um, I was walking home, there was walk past an apple pie I did I walked a bit further and there was a lemon meringue. And then further on it was a cheesecake. I thought to myself, the streets are strangely deserted. Um good news for the nations. Genesis chapter eleven. Um, and I know I've done this before. It feels important. It feels necessary. Hope it's felt that way for you. 
so much whenever we come to talk about the good news, talk about the very good gospel. Um, we start, we start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, start incredible stories and and uh, Acts and the letters of Paul and such rich gospel stuff in there. Um, but as this has been the habit, I've found that uh, to pick up the full story, to pick up how good almost it is, we've went back to the beginning. I feel like we've done that most weeks. We went back to where God declared that it was very good. Um, and then said into the perfection in all of the relationships before, before sin, before humanity just decided that they would pursue their own way to peace, their own way to fulfillment, their own way to shalom. And um, and so this morning as we as we come to think about this being good news for the nations, I want to just go back for a few minutes. Uh, again, not be able to say all that we want to say, and, and again, I'm, I'm uh, almost reluctantly making the assumption that most of us are familiar with Genesis 11, uh, the, the, the people, the families, humanity has continued in the pattern that was set in, in Genesis 3, going their own way, building their own empire, pursuing their own way to fulfillment, almost in complete contrast to the Lord's. And, um, and where that's brought them to is Genesis chapter 11, we're told that the whole earth had one language and the same words, and they uh, and they made this decision that they would make bricks and they would build themselves a city, and they would build a tower with its top in the heavens, and they would make a name for themselves. Um, and the Lord came down to see, and the Lord said, "Look, they're one people, they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do." Uh, nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language um, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel. Babel. That's what it was. Take your pick. I was... Um, I was struck by reading this over the last couple of days, and I think I've always been, I think I've always approached Genesis 11 thinking that God coming down, that this was some sort of, this was, this was a curse. But upon rereading it, I think this was a blessing. Walter Brueggemann says the same. Walter Brueggemann suggests the same, that the scattering of the peoples was not a curse. The scattering of the peoples was a blessing. And it goes on to say something like this, that God's kind of unity will be achieved as all parts of the diverse human family look to and respond to God from their respective corners of the world. And so when God looked and seen what they were going to do, what was going to happen if they followed through with this, he intervened because uh, that is not what, the kind of unity that God was wanting to achieve, the diverse human family 
from all the respective corners of the world. And so to, so to say something really obvious, God loves the nations. God loves all nations. God loves people. God loves all people. He loves diversity. He loves culture. He loves ethnicity. Um, but I think what we see in Genesis 11 is what is is a is something that we see God opposing the whole way through the Old Testament narrative and into the new, and even still today, he still opposes empire. He still opposes empire, and I I struggle to find a way to to define this really succinctly, uh, the the idea of empire. But I suppose the things that do come to mind are those that the empire is something that is militarily powerful. Um, empire something that is that is incredibly wealthy, economically wealthy. Um, a belief, empire, the belief that they have a right to rule over all of the other nations. Belief that I think what was probably going on here in Genesis 11, that build something, create something to rule over all the other nations, to set their own agenda, to shape history, to shape history according to their agenda. I think that's something of what empire is like. I don't know how to put it into like just to one definition. Somebody maybe could help with that. Um, so military, militarily powerful, economically rich, um, a belief, almost an arrogance that they rule of the right to rule over all of the other nations. There's something about their superiority that they that they are going to shape history according to their own agenda. And I think God opposes that so much because that is what. He has promised to his son that that whole idea is was of of ruling the nations of shaping history according to 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 an agenda that is what god and i think we see something of that in the psalmist whenever the psalmist um says that god has promised uh has promised the has given the nations as an inheritance he's given the nations as an inheritance to his son, and I think that's why he so opposes empire. And 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 so, with a wee bit of that in mind, probably more that needs to be said. Said, but hopefully that's enough to 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 see that a few generations later we get to Genesis chapter twelve. And here is a here is a people group where Abraham descends from, who are something to heading towards something of what empire looks like. They've all of this land, they've all of this status. There's something about this upward mobility towards empire that it feels like these that that is the type of family that that's the type of um what what's going on whenever God comes into the midst of that, and and calls Abraham calls Abram, he says go from your country, and from your kin and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. It's a complete. It's a the idea of what the call of God is stands in complete contrast to the idea of empire. This was almost a call to to downward mobility. We don't like that, but that's what was going on. Abram gave up everything, give up all of this status, all of this land, all of this power, like give it all up, walk away from it all to where I to a place that I will show you. 
Should you imagine the exercise of faith that that is? I don't know if there's there's anybody in the room that is that has faced that. But this the exercise of faith to take himself from all that he knew, to take himself from all that brought him stability, in some ways all that brought him power, all that brought control, and place himself and his family into the hands of God. The way of Jesus, the way of God, we'll see in a few minutes, the way of the cross is the complete opposite to the way of empire, to what to what God came and and brought a stop to in Genesis chapter 11. It was an act of mercy. And so in return for Abraham's exercise of faith, in return for his act of obedience, Genesis 12 verse 2 says, I will make of you a great nation. And maybe there's something about him gets excited about that. that, with that maybe with the idea of with empire still in his mind, I will make you a great nation. Oh, yes, I'm going to leave all of this to, to, still, to still be in this upward trajectory. But, but then he says, I will bless you and make your name great so that, so that you will be a blessing. I will make your name great. That is the promise of God in Genesis 12. And I think it is still the same. I will bless your name, I will make your name great, sorry, in order to bless the nations. That is the heart of God. That is why I think it's worth just mentioning Genesis 11. What he stopped, what he brought an end to was was the complete contrast and what God wanted to, to, to see happen, to see fulfilled. And it was that the greatness, the purpose of greatness is to bless and not to oppress. The purpose of greatness is to bless and not to oppress. And then we see, we just we just witness it then. We just witness it throughout the Old Testament how this, the way of God, confronts empire like every step of the way. And we only have to get to Genesis 14. Do we see that? That um, all of the kings, where Genesis 14, again, for sake of time, we just see all of these kings that have came together um, in order to do something of, what was stopped in Genesis 11, they're like pulling everybody together, all of these kings together in order to, to make their name great. And Abram confronts that. We're confronted with that all along. It's the first, in Genesis 14, we have the first mention in scripture of king. It's the first mention in Genesis 14 of war. And, uh, and we, just, we just watch that confrontation of the way of God and the way of empire the whole way, the whole way through the, the narrative, I think. Last week we talked about the story. We talked about the story of Joseph, and even even then, in the midst of in the midst of the confrontation of empire, Joseph's life still ends with him reminding them of the promise, reminding his brothers of the promise that still is to be that is still alive and is still to be fulfilled. Remember the promise was given to Abraham. He wants we, we are to be where he's making our name great in order that we bless the nations. That is something of what Joseph was fulfilling, even in his, just in his earthly role. Um, but again, the story, the story continues that uh, a pharaoh came along that was unfamiliar with Joseph. That's, that's the start of Exodus. A pharaoh comes along that is unfamiliar with Joseph. And we then read the horrible story, this horrible account of how uh, empire was then built on the backs back on the backs of the Israelite slaves. It was built on the back of the Israelite slaves. And then we have, again, the way of God confronting with empire. When when Moses comes 
confronts with Pharaoh and um, we have the story of how the people are let go and then the, the encounter that Moses has on the mountain and this is the way we get an insight into the way in which the Israelites would be a blessing to all of the families on earth. We could talk this morning about the Ten Commandments. This was given this was given in order to be a blessing to all the families on the earth. Even the Sabbath, David brilliantly led us through the Sabbath a couple of weeks ago. And even the Sabbath was a way of leveling the hierarchy of, of human value for at least one day a week. But for one day on God's day, on the Sabbath, on the Lord's day, whether it was woman, slave, immigrant, whoever it was, will have the image of God that is in them affirmed and protected, I think, on, on that day. This was the Ten Commandments given in order to be a blessing to the to the families of earth on the earth. We get to Leviticus and um we get to Leviticus and we're introduced to the idea of Jubilee. And I'm not sure we we read anywhere where, where Jubilee was enacted. But the idea of Jubilee was that in the 50th year, in the 50th year that um there would always be a reset. Every 50th year, there would be a reset. And on that year, all debts were forgiven. All slaves were set free. All land was given back to its original owner. I don't know if we've seen that enacted or not. And maybe that's part of why, part of why the, the people then asked for a king. They, wanted, they actually wanted to be like all of the other nations because the way of God was too challenging. The way of God was just completely confronting with the way of, power the way of empire to give up to, to to release all debts to release all slaves to for land to go back to original the family we don't know if they followed through or not but then we begin to see the, the warnings that came from the prophets um it feels like a real whistle stop hope that you're still with me but the warning then came from the prophets we could read several places but, the, but, I, but Micah casts a vision for us of what peace would look like across the nations. Um, Micah 4 says, In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised up above the hills, and the people shall stream, and many nations shall come and say, Let us go to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. I love this. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. We talked about this recently as we, whenever we went through the vision that Isaiah had for what the kingdom would look like. And here it is again in Micah. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. God, let this be the case. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, please God. But they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts is spoken. For all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Um, vision of what it was to be like to go walk in the way of God, to walk in the way of peace, in the way of shalom. And Jesus comes, and we're going to we kick off Advent on, our, on Christmas next. I know there's some people who have already kicked it off. Um, start of Advent, 
next week and Jesus comes to get it all back on track. Jesus comes to fulfill all of what I've been trying to say. Jesus comes to fulfill it perfectly. And in Luke 2, verse 10, the message version tells us uh, the, the announcement from the angels. The, the angels come and they say in, uh, that um, I'm here to announce a great and a joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. Jesus comes back to get this all back on track, to fulfill the idea that we would be a blessing to the nations, that the people walking in the way of Jesus, the people that have been caught up in the way of God would... Um, would we get back on track as we follow Jesus, as we witness him, as we watch him uh, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm here to announce a joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide, that a Savior has been born. And a few verses later, I think verse 14, peace to all men and women on the earth. And then again, that we, we see that the confrontation, even though Jesus is here, Jesus has come to fulfill this perfectly, to get it all back on track. He still confront, is confronted. He still has this ongoing clash with empire. And unfortunately, the place where he has it, the greatest tension seems to be in the synagogue, in the temple. And, um, and even before that, there's, there's the clash whenever he declares that this is the year of the Lord's favor. We, we've already talked about that. Um, in Luke chapter 4, where he closes the book on vengeance. Everybody was waiting for him to come and, and, and talk about how there was going to be vengeance poured out, but Jesus closes the book on that. He ends that prophecy of Isaiah by saying, "We, the year of the Lord's favor has been fulfilled in me. The year of jubilee is being fulfilled in me. The year, the year of jubilee, debts forgiven, slaves set free. All, everything being returned to all land, being all of that sort of idea. This is now being fulfilled in me. Confronts with the way of empire, confronts with the way of power and control. And the moment of tension is because Jesus' heart, the heart all along from the very beginning was that all of the nations would be blessed. And his frustration boils over and he, and he, and he, and he repeats what the prophet Isaiah said, that this was to be a house of prayer for all of the nations. You have made it a den of robbers. You have made it a place of segregation. You have made it a place of, a place of separation. You've made it a place um, of the holding of power. You've, you've made it a place of us versus them. And it, is to be, it was to be in a house of prayer for all of the nations. It was for all cultures. It was for all ethnicities. It was for all races and cultures and creeds. And that's why Jesus is so frustrated in this moment as he clashes once again with the idea of empire. And that is what we continue to see today. We'll confront it. We'll confront it all the time, whether you realize it or not. The way of empire consistently clashing with the way of Jesus. And on the cross, on the cross, Jesus like declares his love. Love that verse again. And he he, he looked at them and, and, and a picture of Jesus just looking at them as every culture, every, every language, every ethnicity looked at them and he loved them. On the cross, he gives his life. He demonstrates his love for every nation and ethnicity and culture. And even on the cross, uh, even on the cross, King of king of the Jews, just struck by this this morning, the king of the Jews was written in several languages. 
even as even on the cross as he's given up his life, he's crossing those ethnic barriers. He's crossing those language barriers, even in even in his death. And upon us, before he goes back to, to sit at the right hand of the Father, he comes to the disciples with this great commission and says, go into all of the world. This is what you're to give your life to. Go into all of the world and preach the gospel and baptize them and make disciples of every nation. In every nation, make disciples. Make sure you get this to the nation. And Jesus had showed them how to cross every boundary. We've talked about this at the Samaritan, the boundaries that he crossed, the ethnic boundaries that he crossed to sit with the Samaritan woman at the well, the boundaries that he crossed to, 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 to be with the, the demoniac, the demoniac man, the, the boundaries that he crossed to, to bring healing and set the Syrophoenician woman free. The Roman centurion, my goodness, the boundaries, the ethnic boundaries, the, what he crossed in, in order to bring hope and life and the good news to the Roman centurion. He showed them how to do this. He showed them how to cross every barrier into all of the nations. And um, and I'm going to finish with this, but I'd love, I'd love it if Judith didn't mind just to lead us in that last song um, that, that you, you led us in, the King of Kings, Majesty. We get to Acts chapter 2. Again, like, it really does feel whistle-stop. Acts chapter 2. We started with Genesis 11, the, the Tower of Babel, but this is a reversal of it. Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit is poured out, all of the, all of the different... Um, all of the different ethnicities, all of the different languages, the different nations, the different cultures, all in the city. And the Spirit is poured out, and they can understand each other. But again, reflecting on that this over the last couple of days, um, they were still speaking their own language. They were still speaking their own language. The Tower of Babel, they, were, they all had one language. But here they still have their own language. The Spirit isn't able to maintain this, this diversity of language, the diversity of culture, while at the same time making it possible for the different groups to understand each other. Something fun about that, something really cool about that, that the Spirit was able to, to maintain the diversity, but everybody able to understand and experience what was going on. I think Paul speaks to that uh, a wee bit to that in Ephesians 2 where he says that he's made the two groups one. What Jesus did on the cross, he made the two groups one and he's broken down a dividing wall. He's broken down a dividing wall, the hostility that was between us. That's what the reversal of this way of empire looks like. When all hostility is broken down, when the two groups have been made one, um, and the call for us, the challenge for us, again, to stick with Acts chapter 1, verse 8, was to be his witnesses. To be his witnesses, to show the world, to demonstrate to the world, to demonstrate to the nations, to show the nations. And we can demonstrate to the nations that are here in our own country. I, that's what I love about here. We'll not do it, but like around the room, and there's nation, the nations that are represented in a small group of people is something that I, I was going to say I don't take for granted, but I often do. I find myself over the last couple of days 
more than ever not taken it for granted. We're able to be as witnesses to the nations, both at home and abroad. I love that we've get to be part of drop in and another and other people that are doing incredible stuff in the nations. Love that we get to be as witnesses to the nations. We get to be as witnesses to the nations at home as well. We get to be as witnesses home and abroad to demonstrate and show what the kingdom looks like. It looks completely different to the way of empire. It looks completely different to the way of the world. And what has been entrusted to us is the message of reconciliation, where he's making all things new. That's the, that, that is the, that is, 2 Corinthians 5 is probably the, the most wonderful definition of what the gospel is. Old has passed away. All has become new. The way of Jesus is just, it's, it's just new. It's different. It's fresh. And he's entrusted to us the, me the message of reconciliation to take to the nations, to take to every ethnicity and every culture. And, um, and so let's say, let's just, let's just gather around that for a moment and, and, and sing this, sing this together. Um, and, and then we're done. Thanks. Just,